I'm going to start by reading Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Um, We're going to start a series this morning on the sufficiency of Christ. Um, I, I have always, you know, for years as a pastor, I've always tried to use shorter words, you know. I think everybody knows what sufficient means, but I would rephrase that really just by saying that the Lord Jesus Christ is enough. So when we talk about his sufficiency, all in the world we're saying is Jesus is enough. Whatever we're discussing, whatever we're considering, whatever the issue, whatever the problem, whatever the need, whatever the lack, whatever blessing we're wanting, the Lord Jesus Christ is enough. It uh, doesn't matter whether it's natural or spiritual, he's enough. A passage that really stands out in this regard to me is uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth. He's enough, isn't he? He created all things. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So he made them, and they're also in his power and possession. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Now notice especially that last phrase, that in all things he might have preeminence. And basically that word preeminence just means he has the first place. Uh, I believe it speaks largely to the fact that he has the place of being first in power, first in authority, in all things having to do with his people, the church, those who have accepted his gift of eternal life, but it also includes the fact that he's the first one that we go to. He is the one to whom we go for all that we need. And again, emphasize all, everything that we need. Uh, You know, not everyone that winds up in a place of prominence uh, is capable of fulfilling the responsibilities of place they occupy. I, I, I used to have, you know, when you're young, you have this idea that people up here somewhere, they know what they're doing. And then I spent six years in the Army. And then I worked for a large international company and a little bitty responsibility. But I found that people in places of prominence and importance, well, maybe you've heard of the Peter Principle, that people tend to get promoted to their level of incompetence. You can do this job, so we promote you. You can do that job, so we promote you. You can't do that job, but there you stay. Well, you know, that's just, and and I'm not even going to go into the Jackson County, but no, that's another issue. Uh, None of that, that incompetence, that inability, none of that ever applies on any level to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the capacity. He has the wisdom, he has the power, he has the concern, 
He has the direct influence over our lives to provide for us, to guide us in whatever it may concern, because he has preeminence over our lives. We read in Luke chapter 10, the beginning of verse 22, all things have been delivered delivered to me by my Father. Does he have what it takes to meet our needs, to provide for us according to the will of God? I'd say he does. And then in John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Again, and my God shall supply all your need. That word all, if I'm going to talk to all of you, which I'm doing, is anybody left out? Now, you can tune me out. You can, uh, I don't know, I shouldn't talk about Homer Simpson, but some of you will remember the episode if you saw it. He's got the game playing in his ears, and he <laughs> jumps up, yay! And then he acted like he'd been blessed or something. But anyway, uh, you may tune me out, but... The purpose of this lesson is for all of you. And if he, can supply for, if he can supply all of my needs, there is no need, no right desire, no good thing that God has promised to me. We're blessed already with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places by Christ Jesus. You can reject them, but they are there in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, having said that, I'm going to make a kind of an extreme statement. I'm not an extremist, but I want to be extreme in my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be extreme in my conviction that what the Bible teaches me is absolutely irrevocably, constantly true. So I will say, radical statement, it is never necessary for a child of God to look outside of Christ for the providing of any need we may experience in life. Now don't jump on that and go, oh, where's he going with that? Uh, I'm, I'm not a radical, I'm just extreme. Any need. I'm not saying... Of course I'm not saying that it's wrong to somehow to avail ourselves of earthly means or material means for the meeting of certain needs. If you, if you look at the history of Israel, everybody has to eat, right? I mean, you don't live long if you don't eat, and so we need to eat. That's basic. And Israel in the wilderness, there, was, there wasn't the food available for them, and so what did God do? He miraculously provided for them and he sent them the manna, and they had something to eat. Elijah, during the time of famine, the Lord told him to go up here to a cave and be in there, and the ravens brought food to him every day. Now, I'm not, I think I could prefer a different waiter than a crow. Crow spit on my food just isn't something that seems, you know, like what I want, but nevertheless, it was all right, and it was good because it was God's provision. God can do that. But when the Apostle Paul addressed the issue of our need to eat, he wrote in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. He didn't say if someone can't work. That's a whole different issue. Whether you can't work because you can't find a job or you 
are ill or whatever it might be. That's a different, different discussion. But if somebody won't work, in other words, God is saying what he said to Adam, you'll eat your food in the sweat of your face. You're going to have to work in order to eat. So I go to God and I say, I need food. And God says, get a job. <laughs> so I've gone to the Lord. I've gone to the word of God. And the word of God, which represents and reveals Christ, tells me you, you have a natural course to follow. Uh, then, too, the Lord can sometimes lead us to do things that really wouldn't make any sense. Down natural paths, it, it just doesn't make sense. Use this means. You remember when Jesus spit in the dirt, blind man? And he made mud, he got that mud, and he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. <clears throat> if an eye doctor did that today, he would be party to a lawsuit. Am I right? I mean, just, it, why would you do that? Moses, that stick you got in your hand, you just hold that out over the water of the Red Sea, and the waters will part before you. <laughs> really, Lord? I mean, uh, or do you remember the time that, that uh, well, it, during Elisha's day, a group of people had gathered, gathered together. I mean, it wasn't a first Sunday dinner or anything, but something like that. A group of God's people had gathered together, and they prepared a big meal for everybody. And somebody had picked some gourds that turned out to be poisonous. And they put them in the stew. And they t everybody got into the stew and was like, whoa, there's death in the pot. So what did the prophet do? I mean, he knew the antidote, right? He got some flour. And he sprinkled it in the stew. And the stew was okay. What? I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me on any natural level. But it's just, we need to understand that it's another way in which we see the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes to us, and he may say, don't use the natural means, and I've had that happen. Or he may say, use this weird thing, and it's like, what? Or you may just use the ordinary means that are set before you every day. So I really believe, I'm convinced, that we go to Jesus first. We must remember, we must apply that very basic truth that it is not wrong, it's not somehow sinful to use uh, earthly means, natural labors for some, some natural need. The, the Apostle Paul wrote, in fact, in Colossians 2.20, uh, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, the, the basic principles of the world don't bind you anymore. You've been set free. Uh, why, as though living in the world, you're seated in the heavenly, heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians. So why, as living in the world, do you subject, subject yourselves to regulations do not touch, do not taste, do not handle? We don't live under a touch-not, taste-not, handle-not regime. I still believe Jesus is enough for every need. I still believe that I am to go to the Lord Jesus Christ alone for the meeting of my needs. And then he will guide me. I was talking to Bob and Missy earlier about a, a possible medical issue that I might have dealt with in a medical fashion. But I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to do that until I really have had time to seek the mind of the Lord about it. You know, it's... 
it's just something we need to recognize. Recognize his preeminence. Allow him to choose for us in all things. And so as we move forward and we talk about Christ's sufficiency, I'm, I'm going to leave that discussion behind. He's first. He's enough. We don't need to go outside of him. He can lead us and direct us exactly as he chooses. And we'll just lay that aside and move on. Now, as we, as we begin to consider the sufficiency of Christ, I'm going to sort of start at the top. I'm going to take time to consider some things that are the very highest and best that God offers to us and consider the fact that Jesus is enough. Jesus is able to do whatever is necessary for us to attain the very best that God can provide. There's a spiritual aim that God sets before us, and he wants us to attain to it. And we will do that not through ourselves. We'll do it through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in, in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, <clears throat> But he, that is Christ, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost, save to the uttermost. We sing that song. Those who come to him or come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. When you think of God's best, when you think of anything, get the focus off yourself. We can focus on ourselves in, in a couple of ways at least. We can say, yeah, I can do that. That's the Pharisee. You know, I can do that. Or you can say, I just, there's no way. There's no, I, I'm just not worthy. I'm not quite, well, of course you're not worthy. You, we knew that. That's why Christ had to die for you. But you can focus on yourself and say, I can. Or you can focus on yourself and say, I can't. In the first case, you're wrong because you can't. In the second place, you're right, but get the focus of your, off yourself and go to the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we talk about God's best, don't look to yourself and say, I've got to, I've got to do, and, and, and this has to, and it all needs to, it's Jesus. Jesus, 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 first, last, always, Jesus is enough. We don't need more. He, that is Christ, is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. That word translated uttermost, uh, it literally means all complete. He's able to save you to the place that you are all complete. It also can be translated full-ended. God has an end in mind. You come to the full end of his purpose. It has to do with accomplishing everything that has been purposed or planned. Jesus is able to save you to the uttermost, to the completion of God's purpose for you, as you come to God by him. The Lord Jesus Christ laid hold of us for a purpose. And he's able to fulfill that purpose. I'm a guy that starts projects. My father described himself one time. He said, I'm like the Lord. I'm always beginning and never ending. <laughs> because he would start a project and then not be able to carry it through. <laughs> he, he began a good work in you. He's able to complete it. He's able to supply whatever is necessary. But the Apostle Paul uh, wrote in um, 
Philippians 3.12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, completed, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Paul had been saved for years. He had absolutely no question, no doubts as to whether or not he was saved, whether or not he was a child of God, whether or not he was going to heaven. But he looked at himself and he said, but I'm not complete. Jesus laid hold of me for a purpose, but I have to be honest with myself. I haven't fully laid hold of that for which he laid hold of me. Uh, in other words, he didn't believe that he had been saved yet to the uttermost. Saved, yes, but there is so much God wants to add to the gift of eternal life. Something important for us to realize. Who alone can bring us to this final place? Who alone can accomplish God's purpose in us? Jesus Christ. He has the preeminence on all things. He's able to supply that need. And as we consider the utmost reach of salvation, God's best, God's highest for us, many of you know pretty much the direction that I'm going to be taking the next couple of lessons. Uh, we'll be looking at the attaining of a better resurrection. We will be looking at the figurative picture of the bride, the lamb's wife. Uh, our pastor mentioned that, I believe it was Wednesday night, didn't go into, into any detail. I'll go into a little bit. May go into something else as well as the Lord leads, but I'm not going to touch those issues in this lesson. That's just sort of a heads up. That's where we'll, we're going to be going to start. The highest, the uttermost. But I want to add this. There, there may be a few here that aren't familiar with these things. I, don't, I think most of you are. I, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say some of these things because it can sound arrogant. But uh, these things and many others are simply not generally known, not generally recognized, not generally taught among God's people today. The Bible sets them forth clearly. Uh, you have to take time to read the Bible. You have to take time to study the Bible. You need to search the scriptures. But it seems like so many truths have been just left off. And, and I don't say that out of a sense of superiority, some kind of arrogance in myself. Um, as we go through these things, if they're new to you, we'll be looking at the scriptures. And you can look through the scriptures and see for yourself what God has to say. And that's what you should do. Search the scriptures. See if these things are so. <clears throat> Nevertheless, I believe absolutely, and I say it with sadness, that the church at large is operating at a very low level as far as thorough, in-depth, serious Bible study. And uh, we don't want to belittle others. I'm not going to comment on this verse, but you know, it's easy to get arrogant. It's easy to well, it says show contempt. The, the translation there in uh, Romans 14.10, the New King James says show contempt for your brother. The Old King James set at not your brother. That is, make your brother out to be nothing. We must never, ever look on any child of God, whether we agree with them, whether we see lacks in their lives, Understand, you ever hear that thing, you know, God ain't finished with me yet. Well, he is certainly not finished with me, and those who know me best will testify that 
there's some things that need to be sorted out. It, it, we, we have to deal with, with these things all the way to the end of our course here. Um, so we don't, we don't look down on others like the Pharisees of old, but there is, yeah, well, I will say, I, I listen to preachers on YouTube or different places sometimes. Oh, Brother David, really? Really? <laughs> There's some very sound teaching out there that's very good and very profitable. And uh, uh, I appreciate that fact, but it's generally true that things are being left out. The Apostle Paul wrote in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 and 27, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. If I want to talk to you about the sufficiency of Christ and the fullness of what he wants to do for you, I need to give as much of the story as God will allow me to give. And not to do so is a failure. Uh, you know, if you, if you choose to tell people a lie spiritually, you're harming them. If you choose to omit truth for God's people, you're putting them in danger. The Bible talks about the shield of faith. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But for my own reasons, I'm not going to tell you everything that I know the word of God says because I can get a bigger crowd or... I, you may not like it or whatever. There are lots of reasons. What's going to happen to the shield of faith? It's going to have some holes in it, my friend. And it's going to put God's people in danger because they don't know the full counsel of God. If that were not true, Paul wouldn't have used that phrase speaking about being innocent of the blood of all men. People are harmed when truth is not set forth. Jesus is able to save us to the uttermost. And we lose something major if we don't see that. Uh, now, I'm not a believer in the good old days. The good old days ended at the gates of Eden. But still, serious Bible study was less rare in years past. I'm just curious. Well, next week I may read a passage from a commentary written by a man named Joseph Seitz. Joseph Seiss was a, was a Lutheran pastor, and he published a book, a study on the book of Revelation in 1900, and Brother Seiss saw some things about the bride. He studied the Bible, and he found out that there's some things that most people aren't seeing, and he just went ahead and, and taught it. Oh, but he was a Lutheran. Yeah, and he was God's child, and he was studying the Bible. Uh, most of you are familiar with Strong Concordance. It was produced by a Methodist pastor named James Strong, and it was first published in 1890. Methodist? Yeah. He was God's child, and he wanted not only to study the Bible for himself, but to do some work that would make it even more readily available for others to study. There's a, a very good commentary. I'm not saying it's perfect. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. My father introduced me to it. Uh, it was published in 1871. Now, I could go on. I could give quite a list of important and useful Bible study tools that were published a long time ago. There are a lot of books being published today, but I don't find they reach the depth and the studiousness of some of those older works. Again, just because something was written a long time ago doesn't automatically make it good. Um, 
one fellow told me that what I needed to do was read the old writers because I wasn't a Calvinist like he was. I said, I do read the old writers. I read John, I read Paul, I read Peter. <laughs> anyway, uh, we don't want to reject other churches or groups of churches or their teachers. That's not loving, it's not godly, it's not kind, it's not biblical. But recognize truth. And recognize where truth is absent. And that's a very important thing to do. Uh, well, I'll move on. Uh, I said earlier that I'm going to be starting at the top of the list of what uh, things that Jesus is able to do for us and in us. Um, why start at the top? Why not just start at the bottom and build up? Well, when I got into real estate, I was urged to buy, and I did buy, a book titled The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And I started the book. And I got a little ways into it, and I decided, I don't want to read this. And the reason was, I did not want to become the person the book said I had to be. I felt like the Lord has made me the person he wants me to be, and I don't plan to change that. But the author and the company he represented was trying to tell people, this is what you can do if you will follow this business plan. And it's a good business plan. I have watched people that started out in real estate about the same time I did or not much before, moved their business into the mid-six figures. It's a very workable business plan, but it was not what God wanted for me. You go to Jesus first. Let him sort things out. But I can tell you that God's plan for you to reach the highest place through what Christ Jesus has done and continues to do, what he has given and continues to give, is something that's right for every child of God. It was never meant to be information, a doctrine, a teaching, an idea that was given to a narrow, exclusive, deeply spiritual, super spiritual, elite group of God's people. And I may say more about that in another lesson. Merely knowing something doesn't make us special. It was intended to be available for everybody. Paul taught it to the church at Corinth. They were carnal they were babes in Christ. Many of them weren't recognizing Paul's God-given authority. But they had been taught about being espoused as a chaste virgin to Christ. So God meant this call to the uttermost to be widely known and accepted. It's a part of the gospel of Christ. And if people are not told of these things, they will not have the face to attain these things. If somebody hasn't heard that Jesus died... For them and will save them, how can they have faith to accept what Jesus has done for them? So this is a teaching that's meant for everybody, this uttermost to which Christ is able to save us. But at the same time, I'm going to spend most of our series on other stuff, you know, down here somewhere and moving up. Why? Why not just talk about the big stuff, the important stuff, the, the high stuff? And I've seen that done too much. Well, um, there's a building. That building is in the city of Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. Now, the picture, if, if you know photography, you can tell that's really distorted. And it doesn't really show the building well, but I like the picture, so I put it up there. That building is over half a mile tall. I can't quite put my head around that. It is the tallest man-made structure, uh, structure in the world. 
Here's another picture that shows it a little, you know, gives you a little more sense of the, uh, of the height of that thing. Now, somebody comes along and says, you know, I'm not interested in all that other stuff. You know, I, I want the highest. I want a penthouse. I want it on several levels because I'm, I want to be important. I want to have the best. So we're going to have like an eight-story penthouse up there. And I, plus, I'm going to have some offices down there and place for guests to come. But I don't, I'm not worried about that stuff down there because that stuff is lesser, and lesser means less important. So let's just talk about the top part. How's that going to work out? <laughs> You're going to hang that up there <laughs> and live up there? At that point, if you're in that thing up there, it's no longer the best. You are going to crash. And I've seen God's people do it. Because they didn't want to see everything Christ could do for them. They just wanted the best. I used to be accused by some folks of being legalistic. I, I used to say legal is a five-word cuss word that we in the grace use, movements use. Uh, why? Because I was practical. Because God has plans. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he before ordained. He has a pattern for our lives. He wants us to live according to that pattern. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, we have, we have a life to build, each of us. And a pastor has an assembly to build, not to be, you know, something big, but building God's people together. And Christ is sufficient for it all. There's already been a sound foundation laid. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, as we were just unsaved Gentiles under the Jewish age, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being himself being the chief cornerstone. I'll tell you what, a half a mile high building had better have a good foundation. If you want to attain to the uttermost level of what God can do for you, you need a foundation and the foundation is laid. The apostles and prophets, that's the scriptures. That's for the church, for the individual. 1 Corinthians 3.11 For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He's enough to build on. He's sufficient. It's there. And now he wants you to move forward. And it's as we truly in practical terms, build our lives upon Christ Jesus, the all-sufficient one, that we reach the uttermost. Everything matters, and Jesus Christ is sufficient for it all.